Well, one of the things that I've been wrestling with is if we should continue in the Psalms as we have been the last few weeks or with the uncertainty of how many weeks are ahead of us, if I should begin looking at something else. Uh, I had contemplated jumping back into Romans. It feels like a long time ago now, but that's actually where we left off. But uh, most of you, believe it or not, did not seem interested in hour-long sermons over video. And so uh, we'll save Romans until we get back together, hopefully sometime in June. Uh, So far, what we've been doing, as you know, is looking at a psalm each week. And and really what I've been trying to do is look ahead at at the situation we find ourselves in, the context of the moment, uh, some of the dates on the calendar, like Good Friday and Easter, and asking myself, what are some of the psalms that speak to this moment or this particular event and bring those psalms to you as a way of reflecting on them? Uh, Normally, that's the way we've been approaching them, as I've been sort of picking them out. But that doesn't really represent well how the book of Psalms is supposed to be read. Uh, One of the things you'll note is that the book of Psalms doesn't come with an ancient index where you can look up a topic and then turn to a psalm and find exactly the psalm you needed for that moment. There's nothing wrong with finding a psalm that speaks to the moment. But the way the church has long used the book of Psalms is a kind of preparation for times to come. In other words, when you start reading through the Psalms, they teach you the language and the prayers of situations that though you might not be in, there's a good chance someday in your life you will be. The the prayers are a kind of instruction for the journey of discipleship, of growing, of developing into the people of God. And for a long time, they've been read with that kind of intentionality, working our way through the Psalms. So I thought one of the ways that would be interesting for us to do that is to work through a section or a series of Psalms over the next few weeks. There's a section of Psalms that you'll find uh, near the back, kind of two-thirds of the way through, through the book of Psalms. Uh, They are Psalms 120 through Psalm 134, and they've long been identified as the songs of ascent, the songs of ascent. They're called that because uh, these were a series of psalms that were often used by pilgrims or travelers as they would leave their homes, sometimes in very distant places, and make their way to Jerusalem for a religious festival. Sometimes that would be once a year. Maybe if you lived closer, it'd be close, uh, more frequent. For some, it might be a once-in-a-lifetime trip if you lived in a, a much further away destination. But Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 were a series of psalms that oftentimes those travelers would pray their way, work their way through sequentially during this period of oftentimes walking miles and miles and miles for several days to reach Jerusalem for one of the great festivals like Passover. So I thought it would be interesting for us to do something similar to each of the weeks ahead of us to go sequentially through the Psalms of Ascent, beginning in Psalm 120 and each week working our way through a next Psalm and dealing and taking and learning from whatever comes next. Um, They're called the Psalms of Ascent also because if you remember some of our past geography lessons, Jerusalem sat on a series of hills. And so it was common biblical language for somebody to say they were going up to Jerusalem, regardless which direction you were coming from. Sometimes we think of going up means going north. But in this case, any direction you came from, you would have been forced to ultimately climb up to Jerusalem. And so the Psalms of Ascent capture this image of worshipers coming up to the temple to worship and participate in those worship events that were throughout Israel's yearly calendar. These are the Psalms that would have been on their mind. Um, You can think of them as a kind of preparatory work for that 
culminating moment of worship. So I don't think it's too far off for me to say that what I hope they do for us is they become a similar kind of preparation as we anticipate in some number of weeks being back together to worship again. Um, I was reading through the Psalms this week, and I was reading through this series of them in particular, and I was struck by how they lead a person and a person's prayers and thinking into areas or categories we might not have expected to have spent time in. So many of the things we may encounter in these Psalms might not be things that we would say, oh yes, that's exactly what I needed for this moment. But what I found fascinating about these Psalms is the more time you spend in them, the more universal, the more applicable, and the more they really are leading you into something as this journey image, this ascent image is so central to them. Um, You can sort of imagine many, many ancient years ago, a traveler walking one of those roads up to Jerusalem. And each week as we come to these Psalms, I want you to have the image of that traveler bowing his head as he walks and reciting probably from memory each of these Psalms, one after another, maybe each day of that trip as he worked his way towards Jerusalem. When I was a kid, we uh, took a family vacation to Yellowstone National Park. It was about the same time that the Lion King movie had come out. And uh, we had a little white cassette tape, I remember, and it was the soundtrack to The Lion King. And for whatever reason, as kids often do, we decided that we wanted to listen to that cassette tape over and over and over on that week-long car trip. Uh, To this day, my family will still, if a Lion King song comes on, will often joke, what does this remind you of? And it reminds me of days driving through Yellowstone, Old Faithful and the mountains and Buffalo and not exactly the scenes from... Uh, the Lion King, but music has a a way of sort of capturing our attention and associating it with things. In fact, it's often common for people when they're taking a road trip to set out a uh, a road trip playlist, and there are certain songs that we imagine are great songs for driving. Uh, The Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, are kind of like that. They become the language and the vocabulary and the way of thinking about this analogy of pilgrimage and journey and what it means to be headed towards a future destination, which is all Always throughout scripture, this image of growing and becoming uh, closer to God, this path of the way, following Jesus, so central to the New Testament itself. So what I want to do is I want to uh, work our way through the Psalms beginning in Psalm 120, and if you'll allow me, I'm going to read it to you today. Psalm 20, verse 1. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, and that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Well, maybe one of the things you note about Psalm 120 right off the bat is the length. Um, Actually, if you sort of skim at some of the psalms that lay in the weeks to come, one of the things you'll see about all of them is they tend to be shorter psalms. Uh, Of course, we could have gone back one chapter to Psalm 119, which happens to be the longest book of the the longest chapter in the entire Bible at 176 verses. But uh, instead of trying to get through that psalm in one week, we'll work our way through these psalms of ascent. Just seven verses in Psalm 120. Um, maybe I could start by offering you a little bit of the structure and how the psalm is, is working in the way that it was written. Of course, it opens in verse 1 with, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. 
Um, the rest of the psalm is believed to be a excerpt of that prayer that the psalmist is referencing in verse 1. In other words, he's saying, let me tell you about a psalm that I once prayed. And that God answered that psalm, that prayer that I prayed to him. That prayer went like, and then he gives you that psalm, verses 2 through 7. Um, the context of the psalm is distress. That's really clear. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Verse 1, in my distress I called out to him. So it's obvious from the very beginning that what's motivating this author to pray this prayer and to write this psalm is this situation creating anxiety and distress in his experience. Um, verse 3 and 4 tells us specifically these images. So a lying lips, deceitful tongue, and then verse 3 and 4, a warrior's sharp arrows, glowing coal of the broom tree. He draws this analogy for this falsehood, this deceit, the lying that he's experiencing. And he's saying that those deceits, those lies are attacking him like sharp arrows or this image of the glowing coals of a broom tree. A broom tree, particularly in Israel, was one of the harder woods, which meant that it would burn the longest and that its coals would hold the most heat. It wouldn't just immediately turn to ash. And so he's saying that this lying holds this intensity to it without going out, without being extinguished easily. So there's something about this culture, this surrounding of lies, of deceit, of untruth that's causing anxiety and stress in the person who's praying this prayer. Then in verse 5, we learn a little bit more about that context. He says, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Now, those names probably don't mean a lot to us, and they're not that common in Scripture, because these are, in many ways, some of the furthest cities or towns or geographical references a Jew would have been able to draw from. Um, Meshek is way up in what is modern-day Turkey, so far outside of Israel's territory. And Kedar is down way in the Arabian Peninsula. Um, these are probably places that this psalmist has never actually been to, or it's hard to imagine that a person would have lived for any amount of time in both of these locations having been so far away. Um, for most people, that trip to Jerusalem, sometimes like in Jesus's case, just from Nazareth, not that far, a couple days walk, would have been the furthest they ever would have ventured from home. But this psalmist is talking about the experience of having lived for too long amongst these people far outside of his homeland, far away from Jerusalem, Places uh, maybe in a modern day comparison would be like describing Timbuktu as far away as we could possibly imagine from his own people and the place that he loves. And he describes this experience of living amongst these strangers, sojourning there as a tension because of their love for war. That here within these cultures, he finds himself isolated, longing for peace. Again, this great Old Testament word, shalom, wholeness, goodness. And instead, what he finds is a culture of lies and deceit and violence. And in the midst, how long the days have been, him living in the midst of it, he finds himself longing for peace, for comfort. Um, the prayer really is the prayer of a traveler. A traveler who longs and looks ahead, someday being able to arrive back in that place where he's known, where things are right, where shalom, peace exists. It's a longing for peace, but it's also a longing for a better place, for a better home, for his tent to no longer be in Meshek or Kadar, but a place where there are friends and there's family and there's goodness and truth and honesty. Really, this psalm in so many ways is a prayer of being tired, that distress is a kind of worn down anxiety of having had enough of the experience that he's been too long stuck in. 
Um, this is where the traveling psalms begin, which is interesting, interesting to me. The, the first psalm of ascent is here, a longing for a better place, for Jerusalem, for peace, for friends, for truth, and for that anticipation of worship. Psalm 20 is a prayer for something better than what we find ourselves in the midst of. It's really a prayer for a better world, a world no longer characterized by half-truth, slander, violence, and deceit. Um, In his devotional on the Psalms, Eugene Peterson says this about Psalm 120. He writes, When we are submerged in a culture swarming with lies and malice, we feel as if we are drowning in it. We can trust nothing we hear, depend on no one we meet. The longing for peace and truth sets us on a pilgrim search for wholeness in God. Dissatisfaction with this world of sin is preparatory to traveling in this way of discipleship. The journey towards worship does not begin with somebody who is happy, packing their bag with excitement, can't believe the opportunity they have to go to Jerusalem. Instead, the beginning of this trip, this journey, this pilgrimage, begins with a weary person, worn out, tired, exhausted from the brokenness of this world, and praying that they might find somewhere else the peace and the wholeness they've long looked for. Um, What's interesting is that the psalm tells us from the very beginning, verse 1, that this was a prayer that God answered. I mean, remember verse 1, In my distress I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. And then it jumps in and gives us this recounting, this quoting of what that prayer had been. But the question that it leaves really unanswered is how did God answer this prayer? I mean, wouldn't you love for verse 8 to have been, and here is how God did it. But instead, we don't get that. We know only this, that it was prayed, this prayer, in distress. But yet, it's remembered because this was a prayer that God somehow answered. How did he do it? What did its fulfillment look like? How did peace come about? Did this person make it out of Meshek or Kedar? We don't know the answers to any of those questions. What I'm going to try to do with these psalms is offer you what is here. And oftentimes what the psalms of ascent do is they answer, they ask a simple question and they lead us to one topic without giving us the full answer that we would like to have. And Psalm 120 is a perfect example of it. It, by its sort of unconcluded ending, forces us into the same realization, the same experience. What does it look like to leave? to begin that process, to turn our attention away from this world and its brokenness, and instead to bow our heads and pray, God, bring a better place, a peace, a wholeness, and to take the first step of that journey without a full understanding of exactly how that prayer will be answered or when that prayer will be answered. As we read these Psalms, what we will do is take each individual step of ascent that it lays out before us, And none of them are the full culmination of that ending, what lies ahead. Instead, what the Psalms of Ascent do is they teach us what it is to walk on a journey towards God. And oftentimes that experience, like these Psalms, is one handhold at a time, one step down that path at a time, taking each day, each Psalm, recognizing what's in it, applying it, and moving one day, one prayer at a time. It begins here. The first step of that journey, a longing for peace. 
Um, C.S. Lewis put it famously in his book, Mere Christianity, the beginning point, this longing for something better. He put it this way, a famous line, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Um, Lewis follows that up with a less quoted, but I think just as powerful line. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. What I want to offer you from Psalm 120 this morning is that desire that we would look around the world, recognize its brokenness, and not settle in and make the best of it, but that its brokenness would create in us a persistence, a desire, a deep longing for a better place, a better world, a better humanity, not on this side of eternity, but on that one. And through that longing, it would create in us a perseverance and a steadfastness to journey, to move, to follow God, to be on the way that Jesus has laid out before us towards that eternity. Um, what we can do with Psalm 120 is anticipate like the psalm does and go to the Lord in prayer and worship and say, God, we will follow you to that land, the beginning of this trip. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning we know what it is to feel anxious, to feel in distress. We know what it is to feel like we're not in the world we would like to be in or the place we would like to be. God, how we miss friends and family and time together. But we hear in this psalm from the opening lines a sense of trust and fulfillment. That this is a prayer you will answer. That this is a prayer you have answered. That in our longing for something better, for something right, for something of peace and wholeness, God, in that longing, we find ourselves already on the journey towards it. God, we realize by this psalm that the great enemy is our own apathy, that we would become cold and disillusioned and uninterested in that pursuit, in that trip. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts by your spirit, that you would teach us what it is to hunger and thirst after righteousness, to long for that better day to come, that we might pray like so many do throughout scripture, God, come quickly. Bring that kingdom in all of its fullness. Bring heaven here to earth that we might experience the peace and the wholeness that this world offers so little of. And that God, in our desire and our passion for it, we might call others along with us, pointing to that place, persistent in our prayer and our hope and our expectation of it. And God, I pray that in that desire, you might begin in us a journey like these psalms of ascent were meant to do for those travelers heading to Jerusalem to worship. That God, as we spend the next few weeks working our way through them, that you would also do a new work in us. You would take us to new places. You would guide us into a deeper appreciation and experience of your grace and your love. And that God, it would begin like Psalm 120 does, with the longing to no longer dwell in these places of brokenness, but that we might pack up those tents and begin the process one step, one day at a time, towards a new and a better place, your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.